0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first Watch the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Catron. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Boxes. That's one word, no caps. And we are trying to give, uh, give this thing a start with a new podcast for the season. And with me, I have Mike Musket from Hashtag Basketball. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going, Mike? That won't get annoying to anybody to, for, if we call ourselves Mike often.
1: <laughs> i agree let's keep it up
0: then. Okay, perfect uh, so mike you are writing for hashtag basketball currently where can we find your stuff Where can people get a hold of you
1: yeah i uh i'm only writing on hashtag basketball right now and on twitter i'm StatDance, one word and i used to write for statdance.com Uh did some fantasy basketball rankings there but i've taken the url down since i haven't updated it in a season and a half
0: Okay, so let's give uh, everybody a little bit of history of your your fantasy basketball experience. You're obviously doing some statistic stuff.
1: Yeah, in 2002, the guys I played uh, fantasy basketball, fantasy football with, invited me to their fantasy basketball league, and I slowly started kept playing every year, and eventually I made a spreadsheet to uh, try to pick up the best free agents and just kind of uh, steamrolled from there. And now I've got my own uh, ranking system I call the Modified Rarity Index Scoring Ranking System. That sounds superficial, of, Right. So that's really just an acronym to use my old name that I used to play video games with. Um, oh, and, nice. <laughs> on the other, uh, the, the guys that I played fantasy football with. But the, the scoring system is uh, what I use to make all my spreadsheets and analysis tools that I, that I use to try to get an edge, and I'm really, my, what really draws me to fantasy basketball is the the numbers, the categories on, like, fantasy football and points leagues and fantasy basketball where you
0: Okay, yeah, that makes (laughs) sense. Do you
1: like,
0: do you prefer points leagues, or do you, is that what you usually play, or...
1: No, I, I play fantasy basketball to have the categories, and I would play fantasy baseball is appealing to me, too, if I would only like baseball.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the pure statistician... If you really want to spend the rest of your life in a spreadsheet, uh, baseball is the sport for you, right? Yeah, I like I like the lately, especially uh, all the advanced stats and uh, the advanced metrics that we've been getting out of basketball. Obviously, that's been taking off over the last you know six seven years.
1: Sorry, the, the NBA's website's been really um, leading the leading the charge, getting a lot of uh, advanced statistics out there and player tra- tracking metrics available to everybody, which is which has been
0: great. Yeah, the transparency is, is, is surprising. I know, uh, obviously, if you subscribe to Sport UV, you can get a whole bunch of stuff to get your hands on. And you're seeing, you know, a lot of people who are just doing this for fun, maybe on Nylon Calculus or uh, a couple other the the analyst sites. You're seeing them starting to get jobs with the actual front offices, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's really – I'm sure it's inspiring a, a new wave of the younger generation to get into it. And there's also – I mean, a lot of p- big data is exploding all over the industries. Not only basketball, so there's a lot of people that are heavily invested in those, in the number, the, in the number game, and they're getting into basketball, which is only only good for the sport.
0: Well, you're starting to venture into IT talk, and uh, I don't want to be reminded that I have a day job. So let's get right into the fantasy basketball. It sounds good. Uh, yeah, so it's it's not very far into the preseason. It's been about a week or so. And... But it sure is
1: good to see uh, actual basketball clips on Reddit. Oh yeah, as it's opposed nice. to
0: off-season talk. Oh yeah, most of the day watching clips uh, instead of working today, so that was nice. And so we haven't seen a lot of basketball, but we've starting to see enough to uh, to kind of understand what's going on. Starting to see how teams and coaches want to want to start playing, and that really comes into uh, preparing for your fancy basketball draft. One of the uh, the things I wanted to talk about was some of the Recent news, and so uh, you said Gordon Hayward is actually going to be out. Do you know how long he's out for?
1: Last I heard, was six to eight weeks.
0: It yeah, that's not great.
1: It shouldn't influence the the Jazz season too much. They, they they've got quite a bit of depth, but it definitely is a big chunk of the fantasy season.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a decent amount. Uh, two two months is a pretty long time. Uh, how has that affected your uh, your ranking of Hayward before you go into a draft?
1: Well, it, it, I think it depends a lot on the with that time frame, on the depth of your league, and how confident you are that you're going to make the playoffs. So if you are playing with a bunch of people from work that might not be too invested in the research, and you know you're going to get into the playoffs, he's uh, the uh, cheapness that you can get him at is really appealing. But if if you're playing with a bunch of uh, other people that are listening to fantasy basketball podcasts, then you might um, want to drop them a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I take it uh, at least quite a few people will be uh, in the, in the, the latter part of the, of those groups. Um, and I guess this kind of leads to a, maybe a, a bigger, more overall question of how do you approach injuries, uh, preseason injuries like this when you're coming and when you're coming into a draft?
1: I think they all have to be individually You know, you can't eliminate everyone who's gotten injured in the preseason um, you got players like Drew Holiday that they could be back really quickly and they don't won't have any chance of a reoccurring injury um, barring an unforeseen event with his wife. But with players like Gordon Hayward, you don't know if they're going to actually recover in six to eight weeks. You see over and over again players that usually with foot injuries and lower body, body injuries that don't recover as quickly as they intended to. But with a, a hand injury, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, I would, I would expect him to make a full recovery in time.
0: Yeah, especially if they give it enough time so where it doesn't linger at all. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that. It, it, you do have to look at everything individually, but uh, when it comes to players like Tyreek Evans, when was the last time Tyreek, Tyreek Evans was healthy coming into a season? So with people like him, I see that he's injured. I see he might be out until December, perhaps. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's he, he's coming back yet. And I say, all right, I've really had, I've had enough of Tyreek. I'm tired of waiting for him to be healthy. I'm tired of him getting injured every year. He, I would lower him on my personal rankings. Uh, maybe other people don't mind or they would, they'd take a chance on him. But uh, once you get burned by a guy enough times, especially like Tyreek, I try to avoid those guys just completely going into drafts.
1: But, I um, think Tyreek Evans proved to us his, uh, his rookie year, his talent level is just through the, through the roof. But after Alvin Gentry made the comment on the, uh, I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast, if he returns this year, he instantly was put on my do not draft list. He is.
0: Yeah, it's not, um, not enough. This year I mean, me. I I think he's a great fantasy player, and I, and I have the last couple of years, and you know you're you're gonna catch him when he comes back for that month and a half and you're going to really and some you got to pick them up and someone's going to really love them but I'm, I'm not drafting them and I someone like Gordon Hayward who doesn't really have a history of injuries and might be out a couple months but is a quality player you know a top you know 40 player that's someone I still keep in my in my draft you know maybe I drop him a few rounds if you're doing a snake draft or I just plan to spend uh, less money on him when it comes to auction drafts but Hayward's been proven to be a, a, a top-tier fantasy basketball player, uh, a starter when he starts, and he doesn't have a, a long history of injuries. So I, I keep guys like that kind of uh, still in the rotation. You just have to bump them down in your ranking.
1: It wasn't a soft-tissue tissue injury, and there's no chance of it recurring. He, his hand got stuck in someone's jersey, so I'm not worried about him at all.
0: Nice. Yeah, so a more serious injury would be... Uh, the, the most popular injury to talk about would be the Ben Simmons injury. He actually uh, had the Jones fracture in his foot. And he's got a big, giant question mark on whether he returns this season. Um, it's kind of listed at, what, three months right now, which is a little bit longer. Uh, two to three months, which is a little bit longer than some guys like KD took to return, though KD was you know trying to get back into a season where he was fighting for the playoffs. But he came back too early and re-injured his foot, and so with Ben Simmons, do you even put him in your draft? If you're out, if you're out, not a dynasty, a redraft, would you put him into your draft?
1: I would put him in my in my draft if I was in a really deep league, and if especially if the playoffs. I know some leagues have just like the NBA, half the league gets into the playoffs, and I think that injured players in general are under underrated in those leagues. But for a traditional league. I might not draft him at all. We don't really know. He's he's a rookie. He's got a lot of potential, obviously. But we don't know how good he's going to be, and we don't know how valuable he's going to be in fantasy leagues. He hasn't proven he, he can shoot at all. And that's if he returns. The Rich Paul talk that he might keep try to keep him out all, all year, and the fact that Embiid looked great at the end of his, rookie, his first rookie year, and he could have returned that year, but the 76ers have shown. I know there's a new regime there, but they've shown that they've been willing to tank before
0: yeah those guys uh yeah those guys like to trust the process and um the process dictates that Ben Simmons probably won't even play this year so those are good points that you know most rookies don't perform well last year was a real outlier with guys like uh my favorite uh young stud cat daddy Carl Anthony Towns that guy I mean, he probably had one of the best rookie performances in in, in quite some time. I haven't really even looked at it, but it's better than Durant's rookie year. It was better than, I think, even LeBron's rookie year when you look at it in a fantasy sense. That's an outlier. Uh, ben Simmons, Absolutely. just because he, he went first in the draft, doesn't mean he's going to perform that much. He is on a worse-than-mediocre team, and uh, he might not play this year. So let's get right into the 76ers. Uh, this is probably going to look at uh, inter- teams that are – uh, interesting when it comes to fantasy basketball. And so teams that you already know what they're what they're up to, and I'd actually even go out and say, you know, even with the addition of KD, you kind of know what you're getting from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we can have that debate at some other time, whether or not there is something interesting to talk about with their rotations. But there's, unlike, uh, I think last year, there's quite a few teams that are kind of in that unknown state, how how the rotations are going to go, who's going to get playing time. And so let's just start with the 76ers. Let's go through this lineup and and let's talk about uh, what we think uh, our, our rankings are for 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 this team. And I think Nerlens uh, Noel
1: is the most uh, most appealing fantasy player on the on the 76ers. The 76ers have no yeah. have no reason to um, just let him sit on the bench. He's obviously a, one of the one of the trade candidates between him and uh Okafor and his ability to get steals and blocks is not not quite unrivaled, but he's he's elite in both of those categories. And as long as he gets minutes, he's going to be a fantasy stud this year, I think.
0: So yeah, I guess that's the that's the real question. Uh, Noel actually had a kind of a rough start to his his season last year, but then uh, really brought it in the second half. But he he only averaged uh, 29 minutes uh, last season with uh, Okafor uh being a rookie. And now we have Joel Embiid and uh Sarek. Um Saric? Sarek? Which one's which one of those is correct? Which I'm gonna go with Sark, so Yeah, I should probably look as that. long as we're both wrong, I think we're fine. Yeah, Sarek. Let's go with that until um we get some angry emails. You got Sark there, you got Embiid in the lineup now. So are you are you st- I, I think Noel has the, the most potential, but are you Are you really think he's going to uh, even match his 30 minutes from last year and his production from last year?
1: We've got to remember that last year he did everything that he did without a point guard. This year they have possibly Embiid um, delivering the ball the second half of the season, and Sergio Rodriguez and Jared Bayless all year. I'm not going to try to get really excited
0: about those two guys, though.
1: Right, but they're actual uh, legitimate NBA point guards, unlike – whoever they had playing the one last year
0: yeah, ish Smith so, uh, briefly was an nba point guard for at least a handful of games last year
1: that's true he he was uh they they, they traded away an asset to get him and i don't i don't I, i'd have to look at how his numbers compared to with ish and without ish but o- overall he spent a, at least most of the last year without a uh, actual nba point guard and i think that uh noel is due for a due for a big year
0: yeah, I like him. At, I like him at a little bit of a bounce back uh, season, but uh, I think there's just too much of a uh, logjam in the front court, and I, I'm not going to say he. I, I don't think he's going to have a giant season this year.
1: Um, I see him. He will be a top 100 player.
0: Yeah, he's. I think that's his four. Standard league relevant for sure. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to draft him. I'm not going to even reach for him. I just think, you know, that there's still. A lot of issues with that with that lineup, and and Noel does have uh, the ability to have have some very nice games and and, and contribute in a lot of uh, categories um, across the board when it comes to pure nine cat fantasy. But I'm not sure his minutes stay even at at 29 from last year. Yeah, there's there's definitely a chance that they don't.
1: Um, there's also a chance he gets traded to a team that has an injury and needs a center, and he gets. He gets uh thirty three minutes to game. But you definitely shouldn't plan on that. It's just uh it's just a potential. And um yeah. after looking it up, Ish Smith played fifty games for the Sixers Ooh. last year.
0: So I stand corrected. I, I run some Ish Smith uh bandwagon for a while last year. Um I think I just like yelling Ish um at my at my friends. So I think that's why I remember that. Um so go going through their oh, Philadelphia, we um, going through this roster, which is still, I mean, a lot of people are excited about the 76ers, but I think they're excited that they're not going to lose 78 games. Like they're excited that they might actually see, uh, 20 wins out of them, but this is still a, a bottom tier team. This is still a bottom of the barrel squad they have, but you know, there's still starters minutes to go around. Uh, who would you, who would you rank as your, I guess your second most, uh, your second most uh, prominent fantasy player on this, on this team?
1: I'm a big fan of Jared Bayless' fantasy game. Uh, when I did the 76ers season preview, I compared Jared Bayliss's minutes uh, when he gets 29 minutes a game or more versus his career per 36 numbers. And games that he's played 29 minutes or more, he's averaging 17 points, four assists, two threes, and shooting over 40% from three, 48% from the field which in over a steal a game, which makes him a, a, a a real fantasy asset. Wow. Which is significantly greater than his per 36 numbers, even though that's only averaging 34 minutes a game. So I I think if he gets the starters minutes, which is what I expected before I watched Sergio Rodriguez, um, (laughs) who, who looks like a real NBA player as well. So yeah, Sergio as as, Rodriguez
0: is. It has skill. Like that guy. That guy is good. You see him playing in an international play over the Olympics. You can tell, you know, that he 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 could be an asset for that team since they really had nothing going for them in the backcourt last year.
1: And the, the the pairing of Bayless and Simmons was what led everyone, including myself, to believe he'd be starting starting the season as the starter. So maybe Rodriguez is the starter at the beginning of the year, and Bayless takes the starting job after is returns, what? or maybe not.
0: Yeah, see, that's a, that's a tough one. I think we're yet to, to figure out what those rotations are going to be, uh, which is why I, I wouldn't have Bayless uh, that high um, if I was ranking the, the players on this team. Um, I'm, I was a big fan of uh, beautiful Bob Covington last year. Um, he was actually one of my uh, favorite pickups two years ago and, and, and last year. Um, he's always sneaking around the bottom of the, uh, or the, I guess the top of the waiver pool. Uh, and when he when he's playing well, which is uh, very streaky, um, old Bob, Bob Cummington really fills up quite a few categories. His um, three-pointers is probably his best asset. And um, at one point last year, and let me check it out, actually over the last two months of the season last year he was hitting 3.3 uh three pointers per game and i mean that's elite level that is you know now that we have people like steph curry and clay thompson changing the amount of the amount of three pointers made per game to astronomical levels you know this is the second tier and that second tier is is still elite if you would have thrown that kind of shooting and six years ago he probably would have led the league and and three-pointers. Um, so he's scoring. He's hitting elite three-pointers. Uh, he, he, he's, he gets good rebounds and good steals. Uh, his, sh- his shooting volume isn't uh, ideal, and his, he, his percentages are actually crap. So if you're playing uh, a full nine cat, which uh, I suggest you do, um, you're not going to get a, a, a balanced roto player out of him or anything like that. But uh, his turnovers are low, and he helps you um, in a few categories. And he's elite in threes. And I, so I'd I probably have him as uh, the second guy off the Sixers that I would draft.
1: Yeah, he's really good in a punt field goal percentage strategy. Uh, he had a, even though he had really high three point attempts last year, his usage was barely above twenty percent. So he probably won't get that much of a much of a drop, even though they have actual assets on the 76ers this year. I think he's a really reliable choice for you if you want to punt field goal percentage.
0: Yeah, you'd hope that would help him out, but, you know, they're still in flux. Um, I would definitely be drafting him in standard leagues, um, mid to late rounds. Um, yeah, I like him. I'm a little biased towards him, so I'm okay with that because I think he he can uh, go on a hot streak and he can really change your outlook if you're over a few, a few weeks. Or if you're in roto leagues, he can... Uh, He can swing some categories if you're playing him at the right time.
1: I think he's the safest bet on the 76ers to finish in the top 100, but I think there's five players that could finish ahead of him on the 76ers next year. I think he's pretty much guaranteed to finish between 75 and 100, which could be the highest player on the 76ers. Wow.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Out of Noel and and Covington, I'd probably put my money on Noel being higher, but uh, Covington has the potential to to be the, the best fantasy player on this team. Uh, do you see any other guys on this team that you want to draft in uh, you a know, 12-team standard
1: league? 12-team standard league, I'd be tempted taking Sarek or Embiid uh, with one of my later picks. They both have a lot of potential. They'll both be a lot of fun to watch play, and they both could not contribute enough to justify being on your team. Uh, if Sarek plays as well as he's been playing in the preseason, he'll be a valuable contributor. And if Embiid actually plays... 60 games at over 20 minutes a game, he would be a decent contributor. But you're 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 drafting the risk of him playing 20 games and getting another injury, or only playing 30 games by sitting out every other game this year.
0: Yeah, I've liked what I've seen from both of those guys in the preseason. Uh, with Embiid, uh, I, I I get that uh, he has almost a tragically comical injury history, but he's playing and he's looks good. And kind of earlier, like we were talking about, how do you approach guys who are injury prone? Well, if they're injured, you know, forget them. But if they're not injured, it's hard for me, unless you are habitual, like someone like Brooke Lopez, um, even though he kind of bucked that trend last year. Um, Unless you're habitual, if the guy's healthy, the guy's healthy. and So you can't bank on him getting getting injured. And I, I don't think I would bank on Embiid getting injured this year. You might see, like you said, some less playing time or less games, uh, but it looks like he has the talent to uh, to be a uh, kind of a, a lower a bench player or actually a utility player in in, in standard leagues, uh, with obviously potential to be to be much better.
1: And B's potential is unlimited. He could he could win the MVP in two years, and no one would be surprised. I'd be surprised. Um, that would be well, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be or that'd be maximizing his potential. That that Sorry. we see. Most players, you know, they're not going to ever win the MVP. He could win an MVP award. The um, injury risk for tall players like players like Greg Oden size and Embiid size, you see them are even going back as far as Bill Walton. They're some players some Bodies just aren't built to take the beating of being a professional basketball player. Uh, You see it most often with bigger players. Once they reach an age-related downturn, they don't come back. In this case, he's young enough that he could – and he's played two or three full years of basketball in his life. So he could buck this injury and get back and have a full fantasy-relevant career. Or he might never finish a season in the top 100.
0: Or he might never finish a season. Um, so to <laughs> yeah, well, I, I obviously hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I hope he uh, plays a very long career. Uh, but if you had to, let's say Sark or Embiid, who are you taking? Uh, they're, they're both on the, your last pick. They're both still in the draft. Who, who which one of those guys you'd first,
1: go big or go home. I'm taking Embiid.
0: All right. I, I, I like that. I actually, uh, I like, uh, Sark. Um, I think he's kind of sneaky. Good. I think, uh, a lot of people are, I don't know, the Sixers are for some reason incredibly popular. I, I think it's just the, the, the tragedy of the whole how bad they've been for the last three years. People are excited that they're not. And there's uh, so much intrigue. Yeah, there's, like what the heck's going to happen with this team? Who This is a fun, What, the, what who are these people? Not uh, Unlike last year, which was like a depressing, who are these people?
1: Yeah, we've been waiting six years for all these names. There's names we've been hearing for two or three years now. Uh, Simmons and Bede and Sark have all been players who haven't played in the NBA, but most NBA fans know who they are. Yeah. and we finally get a chance to see them all play together hopefully
0: um, the the only other guy on the on the sixers that I would um i guess consider in in, in a standard league would be Julia Um, this goes right back to the log jam in in the front court and how many minutes he's gonna play and is he going to get traded? actually getting traded would probably be the best thing that happens for him. but a guy who can consistently score like Okafer can, uh, but really not do much else. Um, really getting a guy that late in any draft, a guy who's uh, who he last year he averaged 17.5 points, um, it's pretty rare. And for people who need points, that's a nice asset to have. So I think he, he's definitely worth owning in, in standard league.
1: I think most people would be surprised if they look back at Okafer's raw stats from last year. He... The numbers are really good and they defy what you see when you're watching them play. Um, I think a lot like um, a lot of players, he's going to give you numbers that you make him a good contribution to your bench or he might, if they don't get a trade, I think he's the odd man out and he's going to be riding the bench letting Embiid and Noel get the majority of the minutes by the end of the year in your playoffs.
0: Yeah, you kind of hope that the 76ers move somebody on that team to, uh, to free up the uh, situation that's going on there. But, I mean, there's just there's not enough men's to go around with the four guys we just mentioned other than uh, Covington. All those guys play basically the same position. And what um, re- really needs to cool. happen is, is, is freeing up some space for, the, for them to play. And until then, they're all going to be limited by that playing time. Well, I think
1: Simmons won't be limited by other people on the bench. The only thing that's going to be limiting him is his foot. Other than that, the rest of them are all going to have to fight for minutes. But as much sense as it makes for them to have a trade happen, they've been trying to trade these guys for months. So to expect it to all of a sudden happen in time for it to be relevant for our fantasy season, I don't think that's a, a relevant or a, a good expectation to have. I think yeah, pro- that we should price in the, the ex- minutes that we expect with the lineup
0: as it is now. Yeah, the probability is low, especially before the season. Uh, but the all-star break, I am I would guess that there's going to be a trade. But uh, I think, like I said earlier, you can't go into these things hoping for a trade. Uh, you cannot go into a season being like, oh, yeah, that guy's probably going to get traded. I mean, last year with Dennis Schroeder, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Jeff Teague or Schroeder will be true. One of those guys will be move on. Teams don't like to just move on people just to get playing time for another person. These guys are assets to those teams, and they, and they want to get the maximum out of them. Um, Philly is kind of running out of time to get, you know, 70 cents on the dollar for some of those guys. They just have a logjam that they have to clear up.
1: Right. No- Noel has the fact that he's going to have to get paid next year, but the 76ers are going to keep his rights. They have, no, they have no reason to trade him now to get something. It's not like he's about to jump – jump the franchise and leave. They can still trade him next year on his next
0: contract. Yeah, and they have no reason to rush either. It's not like they're contending for anything. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, plenty on the 76ers. Uh, do you have any other guys on that, on that roster you'd like to honorable mention?
1: Deep League, I'm going to be drafting Sergio Rodriguez. I think he could get the, the point guard job, but it's definitely Deep League only taking a, taking a risk drafting him.
0: Yeah, than on that one, um, I kind of uh, I kinda of agree with you on that one for sure. Um so yeah, I think uh let's move on to uh kinda what I was uh, soliciting the fine people over at uh the subreddit uh Bask uh Fantasy Bee Ball. Uh props to all the people there at Fantasy b Ball who uh responded to a post that I put out there looking for questions about preseason, draft strategy, um just really anything, and I tried to answer as, uh, as many as, as possible. I actually got some good topics for uh, some future podcasts as well. Uh, but one of the, I guess, the, the highest-ranked question on that post was a question about D'Angelo Russell. Um, and paraphrased, uh, basically, like, what is D'Angelo Russell this year? The hype train is coming in pretty strong. He had a big preseason game um, against the Nuggets, so people are starting, obviously, to notice him. He's a Laker. Uh, he's playing really well. What does that mean for his fantasy value going into this season? I think he's got a, a, a really defined role on a team that
1: should put the ball in the hands of their point guard quite a bit. So I think he's a pretty safe pick for a sophomore point guard. There's We're, definitely a lot of concerns about his field goal percentage, but he's gonna, he's going to put up shots without Kobe there and he's going to make a lot of threes, and he's going to rack up the assists as well, I think. But he's definitely got to keep your expectations in check and probably going to not be able to draft him if you are in a league with other people on the hype train.
0: Yeah, I think uh, him being a Laker and uh, the amount of attention he's going to get between now and whenever your your draft is, I think a lot of of my drafts are later in October, Um, you're going to have to reach for him. And the best-case scenarios he overachieves in your reach was an accurate assessment. So you're not going to get value for him wherever you take him or however much he costs. You're not going to get value for Russell. And uh, last season I was uh, – I didn't like uh, D'Angelo Russell. A lot of people were like, oh, D'Angelo Russell looks really, really good. Well, he's never going to be good with Kobe shooting ridiculous amount of shots per game. Uh, though full respect to the retirement game, the final game for Kobe Bryant. Um, one of the one of the top moments in the last, I'd say, three three to four years, um, in basketball. I agree. As much as I hate Kobe, I agree. Yeah, I've been a Kobe hater for a long time, but uh, I've been nothing but respect uh, over the last couple of years with him. With him coming with coming out and then leaving the the game like that, it's pretty. Uh, and also the the Mamba out mic drop. You really can't get. But.
1: Well, he could have actually dropped the mic. That would have been an improvement. I thought carefully setting it on the. On the on the court, lost one style point for me,
0: but other than that, right. ninety nine out of a hundred. Absolutely. So yeah, with yeah with Russell, um, basically his usage is going to be real high. He's running the team. He's going to have the ball in hand, just like you said. Uh, I like Luke Walton as a coach. He's going to bring uh, a lot of um, pace and, to the Lakers and a lot of different looks um, so that will be probably infinitely different than what they did last year, but. D'Angelo still isn't a great shooter. Uh, his free throw percentage isn't magically good to turn around. He's going to turn the ball over a lot. He's still very young in the league. Um, I just I'm not sure he's even going to break the top fifty this year. And I don't think you're I think it's, you're going to pay a top fifty price for him in, in any draft. That uh, especially if there's a Laker fan in it.
1: His usage is going to go up, just like you said, with his field goal percentage, we expect you have to be punting field goals percentage in order to get your value out of D'Angelo Russell. Uh, his free throw percentage isn't going to hurt you. You don't have to be punting free throws, but he's not going to help you either. And if he gets enough volume, he might cap your expectations in that category. But he's going to make a lot of threes. He's going to be fun to watch. I didn't get much of a chance to watch him last year because I was in San Diego and they were blacked out for me. But I've heard good things about his potential, and I'm I'm sure the Lakers are going to do everything to put the ball in his hands next year.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah I like that assessment. Uh, don't reach for him, everybody. Uh, don't don't believe the hype train, but uh, he's got potential, and he, he looks like he could be pretty good. Um, uh, any uh, any other I guess preseason uh, views, preseason takeaways that you've had over the last uh, week or so watching the games.
1: I think it's important, uh, just in general, put your coaches are trying new things out. Everything you see in the preseason isn't going to be what you're going to see once the season starts. A lot of the players are getting a lot of minutes. They're there because they're on the bubble, not because they love watching that that guy play basketball. So try to keep everything in check, and remember that the truth is going to be somewhere between what we see in the preseason and what we expected before the preseason started.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I like to uh, approach preseason that if someone's – playing amazing in preseason well it's that means you need to watch that guy you need to, to see what how how he's playing how much playing time he's gonna get uh and put him on your radar while if someone's playing bad in preseason who cares it's preseason um and none of very rarely is there always a trend into how they perform the preseason to how they're gonna perform in the regular season yeah you know, like you said there's you know people are approaching the coaches are approaching everything different trying stuff out
1: it's just another data point to use when you're assessing who do, uh, who you like this year and who you don't.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, something I've, I actually noticed over the preseason is that, uh, the pace is actually up, um, from, from last preseason and last year. Um, I believe last year, I, like I kind of did a little uh, pace analysis earlier today cause that's uh, what I'm into. And, um, looking at it, um, Last preseason, about half the teams were playing at a uh, 100 possession per 48 minutes per game. Uh, this, season, this preseason, only seven or I believe eight teams are playing under 100 possessions uh, per game. And uh, I took those numbers and I kind of organized them and I compared them to uh, last year's regular season. So obviously the preseason, uh, is uh, people are trying stuff out. Pace is a little higher in the preseason, but not by a ton. Um, and if the trend from last year's preseason to regular season continues, we might actually see a league where the average team plays over 100 possessions per game, which um, I didn't look into any history, but that did not happen last year. So some of the teams I actually uh, are, are way – higher than they were la- for last year's pace. And uh, the no- the most notable teams, I thought, were uh, the Lakers, uh, who we were just talking about. Uh, they're actually nine possessions more than they were taking last year, and that shouldn't be a surprise, right? Luke, no Kobe, Luke Walton pushing the pace similar to the Golden State's pace. That one shouldn't be a huge surprise.
1: The loss of Byron Scott is a great thing for the NBA.
0: Yeah, Good, good riddance. So long. I will miss his um, almost laughably comical press conferences. I will miss that.
1: Byron Scott gave the Lakers a number two draft pick and the ball to Kobe. That's that's
0: all he was good for. He did his job. That's what he was there to do. He was there to keep that draft pick, whether he was noble, trying to noble, or not. Noble effort. The next uh, kind of notable team are the Nuggets. They're, they're actually playing at an eight possessions more per game than they did in the regular season last year, this preseason. Um, any surprises there?
1: I'm. That's the one team I think that has a big change that didn't change the uh, coach or the major personnel change. So that might actually be really significant change on, on, on how they play this year, just trying new things out.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if that will transfer into the regular season, but uh, I think it's pretty significant to see eight more possessions per game. Uh, Really pushing the pace. Another team that's pushing the pace that I actually think is significant uh, because you've heard coaches talking about it. You've heard uh, analysts saying that this team wants to push the pace more. And you've also heard their star players say, oh, maybe this is my year to win the MVP. Uh, The Indiana Pacers, they are uh, 7.8 more possessions per game than they did last season. I think that trend stays.
1: Well, Larry Bird hired uh, Nate McMillan. To uh, improve an offense and get faster, even though they had a top ten offense last year, in order to get more points per game, you need to improve the pace.
0: Yeah, I uh, I actually like that, and I actually I, I like to take that, that that little pace number into account when I'm drafting mm-hmm. uh, with your with your rankings. Uh, kind of similar to you saying, oh, you're looking the preseason. You've it helps you adjust your rankings with people. If the Pacers are playing at a higher pace, you know, uh, maybe that helps you make the decision on whether you take. LeBron or Paul George or maybe that bumps Monta Ellis up a a few spots or maybe even around because he's going to get more looks he's going to get more touches I actually think that what the Pacers are doing is significant enough to to warrant a little bit of bump in people's uh, statistical averages
1: I'm sure most people were doing their projections they didn't put in those eight extra possessions so that's a that's a really good point
0: yeah, and um, the next two teams are the Rockets and the T-Wolves. The Rockets are no surprise, because uh, everybody knew DeAntoni was going to push the pace. Everybody's already kind of prepared for that. But the T-Wolves is a little... Yeah, think sp- the,
1: yeah the the Rockets' uh, pace improvement is definitely priced into their, their their projections already. Everyone expected them to them to go up. But like you were saying, the, the T-Wolves... That's surprising. Did did not have, they did not have a fast team in Chicago. They were at the bottom of the league and pace, I'm sure. So oh. them, th- them playing fast in the preseason, he wouldn't be doing that on a new team if he wasn't planning on doing that in the regular season, I don't think. So that's really good news for uh, T-Wolves fans and uh, players, people yeah. who have already drafted Timberwolves.
0: Everybody on the Tim- Timberwolves there, uh, you like to hear that news, right? If you're going into drafts, I would t- take that into account as well. Pacers and T-Wolves would be my two teams where you said, okay, this is definitely – something to look forward to and with Tibbs I'm I'm a huge uh, I love Tibbs I'm a a Chicago Bulls fan I live in Chicago I have season tickets and I love I I will never I don't know if I'll ever forgive the front office getting rid of Tibbs for Fred Hoiberg but I think Tibbs went on a bit of a sabbatical Uh, he smoked some peyote with Phil Jackson he was uh, ruminating about the economy with Popovich he, he traveled around you know he was hanging out in Bermuda shorts and eating wings probably watching as much tape as he did as a coach and I think his philosophy has changed I think he's seen you know overworking players isn't it isn't a great idea and that uh, the possibly the rigidness and the uh, intensity of his coaching might have been detrimental in Chicago even though we all know it's the, the, the horrible Boys Club front office that treats every coach like crap and gets through and disposes their body out back in the uh, Chicago River, but I think Tibbs is going to be great for the T Wolves. I think everybody on that team is going to be a lot better this year.
1: Yeah, I projected the uh, Timberwolves to win over fifty games this year, which is probably a little over. Getting that's aggressive. You
0: really like the T Wolves?
1: <laughs> yes, I do. and right. um, in, in retrospect. I definitely don't think they're going to win 50 games, or I don't think it's wise to bet that they're going to win 50 games. But are, are you saying that you think the Timberwolves are going to run the triangle
0: this year after talking to Phil Jackson? No, no. I just think uh, Tibbs is, a little, is going to be a more of a player coach than uh, he has in the past. Yeah, I
1: think the Timberwolves are going to be a really exciting team. They've got so many exciting pieces. It's going to be fun to watch them. And I was pretty disappointed when I did some research on the, the Bulls' pace so I'm, I'm really excited by this preseason trend of them playing fast.
0: Yeah, uh, I think the Bulls are playing a little bit faster as well. I'm pretty, well, I won't, I'll save them all my, uh, I think I've waxed on enough about the Bulls. I, uh, I'll save my opinions for them for another time. Yeah, it's 2016. I don't think anybody should be running the triangle.
1: I, I agree. So the Carl Anthony Towns, I would take him fourth. How, uh, how high are you on him?
0: I love Carl Anthony Towns, but I, I don't actually I don't have him that high. I actually have him around a seven or seven or eighth, I think, a mid late first round pick. I think there's just too many great players. He had an amazing rookie season and if he gets a bit better, which he should, I'm not sure he's still even going to approach guys like K D, Harden, Westbrook, Steph Curry. All those guys, they're still going to get – those guys, KD and Steph, they're still going to get their touches. If Steph takes a step back, he'll probably still be the best fantasy player because what he did last year was ungodly. And then you got Westbrook running a team, and you have Harden and D'Antoni. I'm not sure Cat, old Cat Daddy approaches uh, their statistical – dominance in certain categories but if uh you're in a nine cat you know seven six seven i don't think you're gonna go wrong taking them in that in that range
1: yeah i I see there being a being a big group of players that i would take after the after the top four i misspoke i I have I have him fifth right now but the and i i see him as having the highest potential in that in that group and also the wolves are much more fun to watch than than any other team so you might as well pick him
0: yeah, you're not going to go wrong, and you're going to probably love having him every single night. And if you're in a dynasty league, there's that's not even a question. He's probably second or or, or third that you want you want to take him.
1: Oh, I, I I think he's first in any any dynasty setting. I don't know. Steph Curry's still pretty young. Well, we just did our uh, was in the basketball monster thirty team dynasty league and he was taken first in both of those leagues.
0: Oh lord. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm not I'm certainly not going to argue with uh anyone taking cap first in a uh in a dynasty league. No way. So yeah, uh speaking of different types of drafts and draft strategies, uh some of the other questions we had on uh, on our uh post on the sub was basically just how do you, how do you approach your drafts? What kind of I guess Scoring? Do you prefer? So let's start there. What uh, what kind of if your ideal uh league when you're when you're starting a league or you want to join a league? What's your what's your ideal way to play fantasy basketball? Well, if I want
1: to get an edge in my league, I want there to be as many numbers involved as possible, because most people don't have as many spreadsheets as I do. <laughs> so I like to have a lot of uh, different categories: offensive rebounds, assist to turnover ratio, three-point percentage, field goal made. Uh, in my the league I've been playing in in seven for sixteen years now. We um, I just suggested we change to get rid of points
0: in our league. You are you are you like to watch the world burn, is what it sounds like. <laughs> so right. we we, we if, usually if, play sir. with eleven 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 categories,
1: including free throw attempts and defensive rebounds. But I'm uh I'm definitely a not a points league guy. I Prefer category category league nine cat head to head or roto. It's they're all. They're all good to me.
0: Yeah, I'm. am actually. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm a purist. I like playing roto, nine cats, always turnovers. And uh, I've, I, you know, if you got to do a snake, you got to do a snake. But an auction, auction draft's the only way to go. Uh, I think it's. The I
1: I agree on the auction draft. But
0: it's uh, to me roto nine cat. It's a it's an accurate representation of what a basketball team is. You can only play guys a certain amount of minutes in a game. You can only play a certain amount of games in a, in a roto league. All stats matter. If your team in real life couldn't shoot a free throw, your team would lose, not scrape by and, and get four out of five categories, like or you know five out of nine categories. Like if you want to try to mimic the the actual NBA game and actually have to adjust rosters and adjust starting positions and stuff like that, and if you're if you're trying to mimic the the real game, I think you can't go wrong with a nine cat roto league.
1: I think there's a good place for all leagues. I, I don't like to be in leagues that are all the same. So one deep league, one shallow league, one roto league, a couple head-to-head leagues. I think there's a place for it all. I like to keep it keep it exciting. But the there is an argument to be made for that, but I play fantasy basketball to uh, keep myself entertained, not to be a basketball purist.
0: I am a snob, so I'm a basketball purist. But, yeah, there—that uh, that is the nice thing about, uh, I think, fancy basketball is there's just a bunch of ways to play it and a, a bunch of people getting into it for their own reasons. And I still don't understand the need for 15 to 20 categories. I probably never will. But if that's your thing, right on. I'd like to get into reals. Are you in a real salary league?
1: I am in a real salar- salary league. Oh,
0: I'd like to get into one of those. I, uh... I haven't gotten – that's the one uh, other – that's the one thing I haven't gotten into yet.
1: Yeah, that's a completely new wrinkle that um, really changes all the dynamics.
0: It's like a new game, right? Like it's not even – you don't even approach it the same.
1: Well, I think that you can definitely get over, overworked in it. The Stan Van Gundy theory of doesn't matter how much you pay as long as he helps your team still holds true in a real, real salary league just because mm-hmm. he makes twenty million dollars a year doesn't mean he's his stats don't count. It just means he's not as good of an investment. But if you have the space, you might as well have him on your team. But it definitely adds a lot more management wrinkles into your into your fantasy league.
0: Yeah, it's probably like a like a full time job.
1: Well, speaking of a full time job, an auction league can auction draft can be a full time job for hours of your day. The advantage of the the snake draft is it can be over quickly and, and, and get the job done, even though it's not nearly as satisfying as an auction draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you're uh, drafting with. I uh, do a live auction draft uh, with some uh, old, some college buddies. We're in uh, year six or seven of our, our Keeper League, and uh, we always do a live draft. We insist on it. We've had to uh, video conference people in every once in a while. Uh, those drafts tend to last a very, very long time there's usually pizza ba- breaks and and fights and beer and lots of uh drunken bets and then um everyone celebrates it's it's a beaut- it's one of my favorite days of the year
1: do you have any punishments for picking a player for the second time ooh no cuz i don't think it's
0: ever happened
1: no well, that's yeah. either good really good discipline or not enough beer
0: yeah it's one of the two <laughs> so yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, we we got a little time here. Uh, some of the, the things people want to hear about is uh, different ways we uh, we approach uh, the different types of games. And so, when you're going into a, a head-to-head league, uh, what what are you looking to do there? Is, the, is do you have a punting strategy? Do you do you agree with punting? You know, what what's your favorite way to to approach a head-to-head league? So if it's an auction league, I'm going to go into a head-to-head league with a punting
1: strategy in mind. I've got players I want to target. The biggest advantage in the punting league is always the the punt free throw strategy. So I'll try to nominate one of those guys early if I want to do that strategy. And if he gets bid up too high, that means too many people are in that same strategy. And I'll sw- switch over to a different punting strategy. But it's really important in a auction draft to have set values for every player so you can see value when it happens, as opposed to the snake draft, where depending on where you end up, you're going to figure out who – who is available to you. And based on that, based on who got picked before you, that determines the rest of your strategy. So you can't go into a, it's hard to go into a snake draft knowing exactly what your punting strategy is going to be since your, your first, your first pick is going to be such a big part of the, what your team works out to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think if you're playing head to head, you have to punt. Uh, I mean, you don't have to punt, but I think you're doing it wrong. if, If you're not punting at least a category, I don't, I don't subscribe to punting four categories. I think that's aggressive and unneeded, and I'm not even sure why you'd want to punt four categories. Two, three, if you are if you know what you're doing. But once you get to four, you're, you really have a thin line, of, a, a thin margin of error. So, But I think punting is the way to go. Like you say, free throw is the most obvious one. You have guys who are completely dominant if you don't include free throws uh Deandre Jordan's like, you know, the fourth best player in the league if you don't care about your free throws. Uh when it comes to the rest of the categories. But yeah, like that's the beauty of an auction draft. You can go get the team you want. And when you approach any draft actually, not just auction drafts, you should have your own rankings. You should do your own rankings. You know your team, you know your league best, even if it's strangers, you know. You, you should be able to understand your scoring system and understand how that changes your ranks don't rely on any anybody else use them as reference but have your own ranking system or your own value system for an auction and yeah go after the players you want uh when i when i when i do an auction draft uh, i always nominate people i hate if i really don't want a player i'll be nominating them early and often and go get the players you want and that's like you said
1: it's more money the more money that gets off that you don't want the better off the better off you are on bidding for players you do want.
0: Absolutely, and uh, actually, that was one of the uh, interesting questions that uh, somebody had about auction drafts on the uh, on the Reddit thread. Was when you're in a league that overinflates the top players, what what do you do? What's your strategy around that? Do you if do you wait and try to just get value where you want to get value, or do you overpay for a top player?
1: I think you have to you have to wait to get value. It's always difficult, just like in the real NBA. To count on making a trade later but an appropriate value for all the players so you've divided up the total amount of money that's available in the league by all the players so you know that your values are going to work out in the end people are overpaying you cannot just sit back and wait for the value to come and as long as you don't have players greatly overvalued at the end of the draft then you're going to be able to find your value two years ago in my league they everyone overpaid for the top players and i got Lots of lots of value in the mid tier and I was able to trade those for a couple of those players the first week for Steph Curry, uh, which it's always hard to guarantee you can never guarantee you're gonna be able to trade for one of those top players later, but that's what that's what you can try to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good. I guess you got you got to feel your league out. I for one don't want to have my best player being the, the 28th or the 30th best, best player. In the, uh, in the draft. And I'm always, uh, when I approach drafts, I'm always looking for value. I'm always looking for guys that no one cares about who but always seem to uh, finish very, very well. One of my favorite from years past was always Jason Terry. Jason Terry never seemed to be drafted by anybody. And then I would go and I'd pick him up off the waiver right after the draft every year. I'm like, oh yeah, Jason Terry. Even I was forgetting him. But I don't think you should be uh, afraid to overspend on a top guy, especially if that top guy is someone you know is going to be great is no, you know, is going to be worth it because you know, the market's the market. If, if the teams around you and the league around you is dictating that those guys are worth more uh, than they are worth. I don't think you should, you know, spin ridiculously or buy every single top player for overpriced, but I think to compete you have to have one of those top guys. You you want the route uh, of trading for a top guy, which is smart, but you have to have a top guy to win. And so you can either you know try to get enough value and trade, or you can you know go out and take a chance and, and and spend a little bit more money than your projections state. But then let everybody kind of gouge themselves and uh, and look for that value in the, in those three, four, and five round players and and try to get those guys at value. Depends on risk how ran
1: one risk I ran that year was that I didn't have any bad players I could drop for a free agent. So you need to make sure that your team isn't so level leveled out that you don't have anyone you can drop. Also, you don't want to pay for someone's ceiling. So even if all the top players are overpriced, you don't want to pay too much. You need to have a maximum that you're going to spend on people.
0: Yeah, you have to say, all right, enough's enough. I'm not paying that much. But uh, a lot, a lot of people I know they'll they'll, they'll print out a projection or they'll they'll uh, have their values and if it goes a dollar over they're not going a dollar over. And you're gonna overpay at some point. So would you rather over? Uh, this is a, a direct shot at uh, at Kyle at, at Basketball Monster. Would you rather overpay for Miles Turner or would you rather overpay for James Harden? Um, I just listened to him and a uh, uh, joy at Red Rocks. Uh, Mock uh, auction draft, and he uh, overpaid for Miles Turner. and I found it uh, comical.
1: Right, that's that's paying for someone's ceiling. Where Harden, he could have the best fantasy season we've seen since Curry last year.
0: Yeah, uh, Harden could do some extraordinary stuff. Um, I did like what you said about uh, always having guys you can drop. I completely agree with that. You should always have guys you can drop because every year someone comes out of nowhere, is, comes out of the waiver, and is a is a top hundred. Top eighty, uh, maybe even better player. So you have to have room for them on your team.
1: Yeah, you're just cutting off your own uh, your own arms if you don't have someone you can grab or someone you can drop so you can grab them. They're gonna happen.
0: So I, uh, for roto leagues, do you have any uh, roto specific strategies or ways you play during the season or way you the ways you approach the draft for a roto league that's different than uh, you know a league where you might punt?
1: Well, you can take a little bit more risk. In a roto league, uh, for injuries due to the roster limitations, but you're going to have a much limiter, much smaller playing field. Players with lower field goal percentage or free free throw percentage are going to fall in a roto league, and you need to be ready to jump on them if they're getting undervalued. So even if you've got someone with a below average percentage, as long as you build your team correctly, you can always overcome that percentage. So don't let it don't let it stop you from Picking Russell Westbrook, he's not going to have an above-average field goal percentage this year, but he's still going to have a top ten team, a top ten season.
0: He's still Russell Westbrook. Absolutely, Absolutely. He, um, he's not. The, he's not going to be to... a number
1: one player in Roto this year, but he uh, he will be a top ten
0: player. Definitely. And on the flip side of that, you know, uh, guys like Kawhi, they aren't uh, super sexy, but they do everything. And turnovers matter. If you're in a obviously, if you're in a nine cat league. Uh, don't be afraid to to focus on turnovers. Um, I go kind of both ways. It depends on what you're getting at the beginning of a draft, de- depending on whether I care about turnovers or not. The best players turn the ball over because they have the balls and the they the balls in their hand, right? Uh, but Absolutely. If, if you can get some like Kawhi and LaMarcus, and you're saying to yourself, "Okay, these guys don't turn the ball over," I'm going to You know, I'm going to go for a top turn a good turnover team that's still a category you can win. Those are still valuable points, and, uh, and quite a few people will completely ignore turnovers in a Roto League.
1: It, you definitely can't completely ignore it. it. Those points count just as much as every other category. It's definitely going to have a lot, a lot of variance, but if you're not playing a weekly league, and so, so you can guarantee that I have less turnovers than Steph this year. Would you? Uh, would you ever
0: punt in a Roto League?
1: I might punt in a Roto League if I was playing with, people that didn't know how to do fantasy basketball, could be done, I will stretch. <laughs> uh,
0: I've seen it done. I've seen someone uh, punt a category, a single category. Actually, I've seen someone try to punt three categories. Uh, that didn't go as bad as it should have, uh, but I've seen someone purposely punt a category, and uh, it worked. Uh, it can be done in a Rota League, but you you got to know what you're doing. And you gotta be able to uh, you know, f- focus the entire year on, on a strategy that allows you to boost yourself in, in, in categories high enough where you can maneuver to boost yourself at the categories that you didn't uh, focus on in the first half of the season. It's a, it's a it's a long term strategy. But you can pun a you can punt a category in, in roto and if you if you know what you're doing, you know, go for it.
1: Yeah, that would take that would take a lot of planning and a lot of uh, a lot of work and i think quite a bit of luck too
0: yeah i think i play with some lunatics one of my uh, most i guess frequent questions about roto leagues since i uh, decree that it is the best way to play f- fancy basketball uh, i get a lot of roto questions and one of the, the most popular ones is what do you do about games limits cuz that's usually that's the new that's the wrinkle in in a roto le- league that's not in the head to head what do you do about games limits do you have any way that you approach the uh, the game limit? The game limit?
1: Well, streaming is is valuable if you've got injured injured players on your team. Uh, I think you can pick up a player if you know you've got extra games that has uh, oh, with an injury and might just be a, a lower tier player. Uh, but you've got to you've got to have a plan. I think that's the that's the biggest thing knowing knowing w- where you stand in and, and what your players are going to be doing in the in the future.
0: Yeah, you only you only have a maximum amount of starts, and I, I try to focus on quality starts. I don't worry about my games played or my games limit until probably February, until right around the All Star break. Um, you gotta uh, you gotta play the hot hand. If you guys if you have guys on the bench in December who are playing out of their minds, stream them in, get them in the game, and you're gonna go over your your, your limits, and that's fine because. At some point in the in the, in the season, uh, someone's going to get injured or something's going to happen, and you're going to lose some games from your your major starters. Maybe they sit out a few games. Maybe they sit out the last week of the season. Um, it's more important to get quality starts out of every single. Uh, you know, depending on how you play, every all eighty two starts in one position. It's more important to get quality starts out of those than to have guys, you know specifically playing like, oh, well, I, I can't you know put my bench guy in because the starter, he needs to play all 82 games. Very few NBA players play all 82 games. So ri- ride your hot hands, make room in your utility spots for for guys you can pull off the waiver or guys on your bench who are hot. And, and don't be afraid to, to go over games.
1: I think you definitely are better off having too many games played going to, into the end of the year than... If you are struggling to find enough games at the end of the year, so exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, you don't wanna, you don't wanna be that guy. You don't wanna be the guy who left games on the table. That is poor sportsmanship.
1: Just shooting yourself in the foot.
0: We kind of touched on uh, on snake drafts and auction drafts. Uh, do you have any other? I guess we talked a bit about auction drafts. Do you have any tips for all, the snake? A lot of people play uh, snake drafts, and uh, I get it. I, I understand why they're they're kind of fun. The randomness of a of the draft. Uh, do you? Do you have any strategies for snake draft? Oh,
1: one thing I didn't mention is I, I always like to have my sleeper picks, the guys that I, I'd love to have on my team, and, and be ready to pick them at a round. So if you've got a guy you really like, like me, I really like Sergio Rodriguez this year, and you need to go into the draft knowing what round you're willing to pick him in. So that way you're not tempted to reach for him later, and you know when time comes when, when you want to pick him up. Yeah. So I have How a few do- players set up for later in the draft that you're looking to target.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. How many uh mock drafts do you do before uh before I'm not a big two? mock draft guy.
1: No. I uh I spend my time making my making my rankings and fine-tuning the the uh projections that I get versus spending time in a mock draft.
0: You know, I, I, I like doing mock drafts. Uh I, I don't think you get a ton of value out of them after like the fifth, sixth round. Um but having the different scenarios down so to me it's a big decision tree and here's the uh, the it nerd and uh, talking uh, to me it's a big decision tree you have you know the one to two guys that you definitely know you're going to get in the first round and from there it's, it turns into all right if i this person falls to me and this person falls to me i'm going to pick that guy and that changes the uh, the way my team looks and so in the third and fourth rounds i need to focus on guards because i don't have any or i don't need to focus on guards because i have already have two. I like to just run through every iteration over and over for the first four or five rounds. Because once you have those first four or five rounds almost memorized, you can start looking at those later rounds, and you can start looking at the, the pieces that complement your, your, your top players. Um, so I will actually really like to run lots of mock drafts if I'm a, before I'm going into a snake draft.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of value to them, uh, as long as you have projections that you're ready to use.
0: And you've got to be willing to switch your plan, right? Like, you can't go into it like, I'm going to do exactly this, and I'm going to punt free throws, and I know that Drummond is going to fall to me, and I'm going to do this. And then, you know, by the third round, none of that happened, and now you have no idea what the hell you're doing. So you can't, you can't go in with just, you know, with blinders on. It's a, you have to be ready to adapt. Multiple plans that you're willing to follow
1: yeah I think doing enough mock drafts would would really put you in a good position to uh, adjust your strategy so yeah
0: that's a I think that was the major questions about draft strategies that we uh, that we had online so yeah I think we can uh, wrap this pod up I, uh, later preseason we're gonna be uh, hopefully talking a little bit more about individual teams individual players that we are liking in preseason and do a draft Kind of a, not a mock draft per se, but uh, kind of matching up players with their early round counterparts. So one of the uh, suggestions was to say, "All right, take the first round players. Who's a good complement to each one of those top round players?" And uh, I, I've, I've heard that done before in previous seasons uh, by other people, and um, seems to give people a good idea on how to draft and what to uh, to look for after they get their almost guaranteed uh pick in, in in the draft in the first round
1: i uh, think that's yeah, uh, even, if, even if that um doesn't work out exactly, it'll give people a really good idea on different strategies you can use in uh while you're doing a draft
0: yeah i uh like you you were telling me earlier uh strategy is probably one of your more favorite things to uh to discuss and to to talk about when it comes to fantasy and, and it can go so many different ways. There's no, I guess, I was going to say there's no wrong strategy, but there are. There's lots of wrong strategies. So uh, hopefully we can guide people into more correct strategies. Absolutely. So yeah, thanks for joining me, Mike. Uh, where can everybody find your, your stuff or, or get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, writing for Hashtag Basketball, and you can find me on Twitter at StatDance. One word. Thanks a lot for having right. me on today.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, and I'm Mike Katrin. Uh You can find me at Watch the Boxes, all one word, on Twitter. And you can also go to watchtheboxes.com, but uh, there's probably not a lot of interesting stuff on there. It's mostly last season stuff, but uh, that will be picking up uh, hopefully soon. We'll get the podcast linked on there and uh, also on hashtag basketball. And uh, if you really want me to know what I feel about the Bulls, uh, check out the hashtag basketball Bulls section and I will, you, can, uh, you can find out everything I think about the Chicago Bulls because I'm sure that's very, very interesting to a lot of people. So uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week.